welcome or welcome back. My name is Michael and in today's podcast episode, we are going to be talking about mental health. As many of you guys know, this past weekend we had World Mental Health Day and I know I'm a little bit late on posting this and talking about mental health, but really ask yourself, is it ever too late to be talking about mental health? And that's the thing, you know, as Somebody who is incredibly passionate about mental health, I don't think it's ever too late or too soon to start talking about it. If it was, we wouldn't have as many mental health-related illnesses as we have today. In fact, like there are so many people out there who could probably just use somebody to resonate with. That's the sole purpose of today's podcast episode. I want to connect with that individual. I want to resonate and help them through whatever it is that they're going through because I remember when I was going through my fair share of mental health-related illnesses, that was what I wanted. I wanted somebody to connect to. I wanted somebody just to say, yeah, you know, I know exactly what you're going through. I get that this is not the most enjoyable topic to talk about, but we are going to try to bring some happiness, joy, more so hope to this topic because it, again, it is something that impacts far too many lives. It is something that does not get enough recognition. Like, you know what's bad when you have the government who are, right now, this is how I see it. The government is spending more time focusing on legalizing marijuana than they are with mental health-related illnesses. To me, that just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that we have an illness that is impacting millions of lives across the U.S., and it is not getting the recognition that it needs. This isn't to say that I am against marijuana. I actually wish that marijuana was legalized. I don't smoke personally, but there are people out there who I do think can benefit from it. And really, it doesn't, like, I don't see it does any harm, but that's a different topic for a different day. We're not going to get into that. This is solely about mental health. So, for those of you who do not know, I have gone through my fair share of mental health-related illnesses in the past. Started my sophomore year of college. I was, I had depression. I, I wasn't diagnosed at this point. It was the fall of my sophomore year, and I had just suffered my fifth concussion, probably like four or five too many, but that just kind of like threw me in a haze. It threw me in a haze. It got hard to go to class. The days when I did find the motivation and strength to go to class, it was like this constant haze was in my mind and there was just like no escaping it. And so a lot of the time I didn't go to class. I would just sit in my dorm room and I recall like there was this instance where I had come home from class and I sat down at my desk. I don't remember like what I was doing at my desk or anything, um, but I looked up at the clock and two hours had passed. Like I had just sat there and stared at a wall for two hours. And at that point, I was like, oh, gosh, something isn't right. And my whole family has had depression. It started with my grandparents. My Both my parents have depression. Both my sisters are clinically diagnosed with depression. And now I'm clinically diagnosed with depression. At this time, I wasn't willing to admit what I was going through. I wanted to be like that one poster child who in the family didn't have depression, who didn't have, quote, unquote, anything wrong with him wasn't seen as mentally ill like there was just a stigma in my mind that there was something wrong with being mentally ill I didn't want to be like this is how I saw it this was by the way this is definitely not the right way to see it but I thought like mentally 
ill people were uh, psychos. And, you know, this is really a poor way to look at it, especially due to the fact that, like, everybody in my family has experienced depression. But this is how little I knew about it. This is, like, me putting a stigma to something without having any knowledge. This is reading a book solely by looking at the cover. And that is such a bad way to look at it. So back to how it impacted me after like I experienced that depression and uh, that episode in college after my concussion, I just remember like not doing anything that I once found enjoyable. Like I wasn't going out with friends anymore. I wasn't really hanging out with anybody. I was just like more so I had gone from being an extroverted individual to completely introverted and so i decided you know to transfer schools i wanted to be closer to home i was living three hours away from uh, my family from my friends and so i wanted to transfer to a school that was closer and i ended up transferring to a school that was about 45 minutes away from my house but it's a school that a lot of my friends had attended and the first semester there was incredible Like, it was so much fun for that first semester. I was living in a nice place. I was living with friends. And, you know, on the times, like, on the weekends, I wanted to go home and be with my family. I was able to do that. Like, it was just, I was able to be included in a lot more because I wasn't so far away. But then I started getting into exercising. Exercising itself, like, wasn't a catalyst for my depression. In fact, it probably helped. At first, I just started like exercising in my dorm room. I was doing like 45 minutes or an hour of workout videos during the winter. And then uh, in the spring and summer, I began running and found a passion for running. The bad part about all of this is when I started counting calories. That is when just like the depression really kicked in because it was something that I was able to control. And so I took it to an extreme with depression I wasn't able to always control my emotions, and so I wanted to fall back on something I was able to control, which was counting calories. And you hear all of these stories and tips and everything saying, like, if you want to improve your mental health, start dieting, uh, you know, putting good foods into your body, start exercising. I took this to the extremes. Like, granted, those things can definitely help. Nothing that you do to the extreme is going to help. So that's what I did, learn from my mistakes. Um, I went home for that summer, had a really good summer, and then I went back to school that fall. So it was the fall of my junior year, and that was, again, like, I don't know what it was. If it was the fact that I was reminiscing on the previous fall where I'd gone through this first episode of depression um, or what it was but like something about the leaves changing the air getting colder the nights getting longer just triggered my mind and it was like okay well we're gonna go back to this depressed episode again and ever since then like i think it was that because ever since i haven't been able to look at fall the same way so every time fall rolls around i know that the days are getting shorter that the air is getting colder and it always makes me you know, reminisce back on that fall when I was first diagnosed with depression and I got diagnosed my junior year of college. I went to the school counselor and like or school therapist and tried talking with him. That didn't really do anything for me. I, I don't know. I just like, like didn't 
like being judged by somebody or being told like how to feel by somebody. I know that's not their job, but you always feel like, are they going to do that to you? At least that's how I felt. And so I went to the school doctor and I got uh, prescribed medication. Medication, whether or not you believe in it, it's something that has benefited me. Um, so, you know, you have to do you, you have to find what works for you. Um, but, you know, it, it helped at first. It still didn't help everything. And so I ended up moving home. I wasn't going out with friends. I wasn't doing anything. So like that first semester done another complete like 180 and was miserable again. So I ended up moving home, ended up transferring to a third school in what was that? Like a year. This school was my light. Like I am so happy I found this school. (laughs) I can't say enough good things about it. I developed some of the best relationships, really, you know, made a lot of new friends and then got into a field that I was passionate about. And if it wasn't for that school or finding that school, I honestly don't know where I would be today. The point of the matter with all of this is, is that that fall when I had gone to college, um, or like the, after I had transferred and I got prescribed medication That for me was a real wake up call. And the reason for that is because I wasn't ready up until that point, like I said, to admit that I was experiencing depression. I wasn't ready to say, yeah, I have, you know, there is something wrong. There's something that isn't balanced and I need to find that balance. With depression, like that's what it is. There are so many negative stigmas around depression, and I had those stigmas as well. Now I'm here advocating for talking about depression. The thing is, it doesn't matter what you're going through, what you're feeling right now. You need to be willing to admit it. There isn't anything wrong with admitting that you might be depressed or you might have any other mental health-related illness. Like I'm here on the other end of this telling you I have depression, I have anxiety, I have an eating disorder. Why? Because it's not going to do me any good to internalize those things. I tried living like that for years. I tried hiding the fact that I was depressed, hiding the fact that I had an eating disorder. The only thing that did for me is it just stayed in my mind and essentially like boiled over until I reached that breaking point. And that breaking point is when all of those emotions of years of bottling up just like come out within a short window of time. That's when you do damage. That is when mental health related illnesses can really take over your life. And that's why I'm a big advocate for saying, you know, if you are feeling depressed in any way, get help. There isn't anything wrong with seeking help. In fact, we're better together. You know, we can only do so much as an individual But when we come together, we can change the world. And that's what we need to do. That's what we need to start taking initiative of. We need to come together, bring awareness to any mental health-related illness, and really just try to change the lives of as many individuals as we can. So why, why is this so important? You know, why do we celebrate Mental Health Day? Well, Here are some statistics, and this is something that I was just Googling and I didn't know, you know, even with studying depression and talking about depression and 
all these other mental health related illnesses as much as I do, I didn't know the severity of it until I actually looked at these statistics. And again, this is another one of those eye openings like, wow, it is so relevant. And it just puts into context how many lives it impacts, but still how little we actually talk about it. So how common is depression? Worldwide, according to the World Health Organization, in 2020, more than 264 million people suffer from depression. It is the leading cause of disability in the world. And neuropsychiatric disorders are the leading cause of disability in the U.S., with major depressive disorder being the most common. So let's take a look at the U.S. In the U.S., 17.3 million adults, or 7.1% of the adult population, have at least one major depressive episode each year. Of those major depressive episodes, 63.8% of adults and 70.77% of adolescents have severe impairment. Women are twice as likely as men to have depression. I don't know if that's like the whole macho mentality like that I kind of had, saying that it wasn't cool to talk about depression or it wasn't cool to admit your weaknesses. No mental health-related illness is a weakness. It is an illness. It is just like any other illness out there. It doesn't make you weak that you are depressed. In fact, it probably makes you stronger because if you're willing to admit that you need help with something, if you're willing to admit that there's something to be talked about, that's what makes you strong. You need to be willing to be vulnerable. You need to be willing to admit when you need help and that you can't do it on your own. There isn't anything wrong with admitting it. So back to the statistics. Major depressive episodes were most prevalent among adults and adolescents. So let's look at depression statistics by age. Here's where it gets scary because, you know, our youth and young adults are so vulnerable now. Adolescents aged 12 to 17 years old have the highest rate of major depressive episodes, which is 14.4%, followed by young adults, 18 to 25-year-olds, 13.8% of the population. Older adults aged 50 and older have the lowest rate. Um, 11.5 million adults had a major depressive episode with severe impairment in the past year. College. Let's talk about college. Severe depression among college students rose from 9.4% to 21.1% from 2013 to 2018. Like, thinking back to when I was first diagnosed with depression, which, ironically enough, was 2013, I was one of the 9.4%. So if you think about it, you have 100 people, 9.4% of them are going to have depression. In 2018, if you were to poll 100 college-age students, 21.1% of them had depression. That is more than one in five. And it makes you wonder, like, where the numbers were 20 years ago. And if this, like, if it rose 12% in the last five years, where is that number going to be in the next five years? Like, is it going to jump into the 40s? Is it going to jump into the 50s? And 
the rate of moderate to severe depression rose from 23.2% to 41.1% from 2007 to 2018. That, that to me is insane. And then you think about the effects of depression. Like going back to when I was at my lowest of lows, like you have those negative thoughts. You have those negative thoughts of, is my life worth living? Am I good enough? Am I going to amount to anything or should I just end it all? And unfortunately, those are the thoughts that many of us do experience from time to time. I will admit that even though like I love life now, there was a point in my life where I had contemplated that I didn't see hope. I didn't see light at the end of what at the time was the darkest tunnel I had ever experienced. And there are so many people out there. So two thirds of those who commit suicide struggle with depression and of the diagnosed with depression, 1% of women and 7% of men commit suicide. So again, if you have 100 individuals in a room, one like in all they're all female one of them is likely to commit suicide but that number jumps seven percent when or multiplies by seven percent when you put a hundred men into a room and why do you think that is like that i i don't know the risk of suicide is about 20 times greater among those diagnosed with major depression in comparison to those without major depression and suicide is the Second, leading cause of death to 15 to 19-year-olds in the U.S. That, that's unacceptable. There are so many people out there who need to just resonate with somebody. There are so many people out there whose lives we have the ability to save. And it starts with bringing the conversation to mental health. It starts with being open, being vulnerable, and not hiding the fact that, you know, you might need help. Because, again, the thing is, we never really learn from our mistakes first until we're willing to admit that there's something wrong. And the more we admit that there's something wrong, the more we're able to resonate with others, the more we're able to connect with others. I recall, like, going through those deep and dark days, you just never had anybody to connect to. You felt alone. You felt hopeless. You felt like nobody out there knew what you were experiencing. The truth of the matter is, is that there are 250 million individuals across the U.S. alone who can resonate with you to some extent. Granted, they're going to have different circumstances in life. The odds are that there is always somebody out there who is going to be able to relate to you. You just have to be willing to be open and honest and talk about it because it's not going to do you or anybody out there any good to internalize what you're going through. And so in just thinking about treating depression, obviously I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a mental health counselor, anything like that. But here are some of the common ways of treating depression. The first is to talk. Talk to a counselor. Talk to a family member. You know, just talk to somebody, a friend. It doesn't matter. 
you think that all of these people are going to judge you. The truth of the matter is they are going to want the best for you. If they are a friend as much as you think they're a friend, they would hate to see anything bad happen. Your family, I can assure you, your family would hate to see anything bad happen to you. But you need to let go of that stigma that they're going to judge you for it. Because even if you are judged, it's better than the alternative. And the alternative is ending it all. That's never the right way to go about things. And it's hard to talk about, but it is so true. You need to talk. And if that doesn't work, you know, and you believe in it, go see a doctor. Get prescribed medication. Find that chemical balance in your brain. There, To me, there isn't anything wrong with that. It's helped me. It's helped bring happiness and bring joy to my life. Like, that doesn't mean I don't struggle from day to day um, and have, you know, those fair share of days where you still have that cloudy haze over you. But it is so far and few between. Like, I think maybe out of, like, every two months or so, I have two or three days where it's just like a cloud over me. And so that, you know, that is so much better than living every single day like that. And that's what I was in the past. So get prescribed medication if that's something you believe in. And then also just take care of yourself. Treat yourself the way you want others to treat you. Be your own best friend. Exercise your body when it wants to be moved. Nourish your body with good foods. Don't go to the extremes with this like I had done. That's not going to solve anything. Um, you know, just just listen. Be mindful of your body. Be mindful of your surroundings. I get it. It is a lot easier said than done. But really, those are the best ways to go about helping with any mental health-related illness. So remember, it's never too late to talk about it. The more awareness we bring to it now, the more lives we can potentially save. So do your part. If you're feeling depressed, if you are feeling anything, you know, mental health related, like anxiety or uh, eating disorder or anything, talk. Talk to somebody. Get help for what you're experiencing. You know, let somebody else help you to see a light. And, you know, maybe someday you can be that somebody for somebody else. Maybe someday you can help somebody who was once in your shoes. That's what it's about. It's about giving back. It's about connecting and resonating with individuals out there. And it's about making the world a better place for everybody. So do your part and make the world a better place. That's going to wrap it up for today's podcast episode. I really hope you guys did find something valuable out of this. I hope you learned that, you know, just let go of the stigma. Let go of the stigma that it's unacceptable to talk about mental health. Let go of the stigma that, you know, mental health-related illnesses make you crazy. Just bring awareness to it. There isn't anything wrong with admitting you need help. There isn't anything wrong with having mental health-related illnesses. It's an illness. And... The more we talk about it now, the better we're going to be. So take the next step. You know, the journey to living freely is really talking about it. There's something freeing about talking about it. Just letting your burdens go, releasing your thoughts. That's how you're going to live a better life. So again, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to this. We'll talk to you next time. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.
Goodbye.